You're listening to the Talking College Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Dunn. Uh, my co-host, Chad, is out of town in Arizona this week. So we have a, a special treat for you guys. One of our close friends uh, and co-workers, Jesse Lopez, is guest hosting with me on the show. Jesse, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here on the uh, podcast and just talk some college baseball with you, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. Um, so basically, before we get into it, dude, I just want to take this opportunity to to allow you to share your story. I think it's really cool, um, your journey through college baseball. So just uh, give us a little background on, you know, where you're from, where you play ball at, um, and kind of we'll get into kind of some of your experience throughout your journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a SoCal kid. I grew up in Fulton for the last 12 years. Uh, prior to that, I was living in Albuquerque, and I played, I lived there for eight years. And played Little League, that's where my you know, love and passion for the game started, with T-ball. Uh, my first Little League uh, game was, uh, it's called Mile High Little League, man. And from that moment on, I loved baseball, man. Loved the sandlot, everything about baseball. And then, uh, but my journey and my career really started here in SoCal. Um, played Little League all my life, went to El Dorado High School. And then I played Juco ball at Cypress College and then transferred to Long Beach State. And... Uh, you know, it's been a heck of a journey, and met a lot of great teammates, a lot of great coaches, and it's been a blessing. So nice. Did you play? Did you grow up playing any other sports? Like, did you do like football, basketball, anything like that? I played basketball one year, and I was dog water. <laughs> <laughs> I was bad at basketball. That's that's like me, dude. I uh, I was probably about. I'm already a short guy, anyways, but I was probably like half my height. Yeah. And uh, dude, I never played basketball until middle school, and then I. Uh, I made the team, but dude, I read the bench like ninety five percent of the time. I had I'm I'm white, so yeah, dude. No, I, I played. Play I mean, like my first year, I dude the guys that we played against, they seemed all bigger than me. I remember one kid had a mustache. I was like, I'm <laughs> like I'm in, out of out, I'm in, not in my area, For and sure. uh, I didn't even know the rules, and I fouled out like the second game of the season. Like I didn't know you could foul out of a game, nice. so I had whatever committed three fouls i'm like all right you're done nice. I was like, yeah that, that was me dude even when i went to a game i uh dude i would i would travel like yeah two times a game and i was only in for like what like eight minutes probably of a game so yeah but anyways kind of kind of getting sidetracked but um tell me about cyprus dude and and the reason i want you to tell like our listeners about this is because juco baseball is great yeah, totally across the country, but especially in SoCal, uh, in in the southeast, JUCO ball. I personally didn't know about it before, you know, high school. When I got into high school and started getting recruited by JUCOs, I didn't know the opportunities that it would allow me to play two years. You know, that was cheap. Uh, that it was great competition because a lot of the those D one players that go to the schools bounce back to JUCO and stuff. So tell me a little bit about your JUCO experience in Cyprus. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, one, when I was in high school, I didn't have someone to kind of guide me along and tell me that JUCO ball was a, it is and was a great route for me. Um, my mentality in high school was, you know, pretty much D1 or bust, which, mm-hmm. you know, we could talk about that. That could be a whole other conversation, the D1 or bust mentality. Because yeah. um, I was a fairly decent high school player, but... I talked to a couple of D2s and, um, you know, they kind of toured me around campus, but in my mind, 
college baseball was D1 or bust. Like, that's, like, I was, like, you know. Yeah. That was the pinnacle for college baseball. Um, thank God that I did JUCO route because, I mean, there's a lot of benefits of going JUCO ball. But when I first started out of high school, like, man, I, I was embarrassed to go to JUCO ball. I really was. Like, I was, like, I'm not good. Like, you know, I'm going to JUCO. It's not even NAIA, nothing. It's, like, it's right. a little deal. Not knowing that JUCO ball gets a ton of D1 bounce backs. You can get drafted out of JUCO. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah, like you get players that are raw. Like you get players that are either grades guys who don't have passing grades mm-hmm. and are just really nasty at the game. You get D1 bounce back guys that maybe they <clears throat> had off the field issues or they want more play time. Because, you know, when you go D1 or, you know, not just D1, but you go to a four-year college, you might not play as a freshman. And right. going JUCO... Not that playtime is guaranteed, but you have your chances are way higher if you go to go. Right, especially because you're not playing as an 18-year-old. You're not playing with 21, 22. Heck, by the time I left college, I was 22, almost 23, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to compete against those high-level guys. It's smaller rosters. It's more, like you said, more opportunity. And I think that's a great thing, too, that people don't think about is it gives you two years of experience right off the bat because like you said I had that same mindset of D1 or bust um, I wound up actually going to a D2 so my first before I went to JUCO so my my route's kind of different but that I had that same mentality and I didn't realize the great opportunities that that were before me and I think like if you have that D1 mindset very rarely do you play division one baseball as a freshman yeah you, you usually sit the bench a year, maybe two years, and yep. then hopefully you get your opportunity in that program. But I think a lot of kids don't realize that. It's like you could go to like a USC, a UCLA, but mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're just a dude or just really figure stuff out as a freshman or have like, for some reason, a once in a lifetime opportunity, you don't typically get that playing time right off the bat. Yeah, and and like, I think kids don't understand that um, the jump from high school to not let alone JUCO, but jump from high school to D one is such a drastic jump. Like when I when I went to Long Beach State and then I saw these guys coming out of high school, I was like, man, dude, like these kids are literally playing against grown men. Like, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's different from program to program, but you know, it can be like rattling for kids out of high school and like they get sped up. You can see how quick the game mm-hmm. uh, goes for them. You know, they don't know they can't <clears throat> keep up with the pace of play. And they just get domed out. And, um, you know, I think Juco's a good transitioning from high school to college ball because you're playing more games, the velo's up. Um, but at the end of the day, you're not getting better if you don't play. So you got to play to get yeah. better and, right. and to get exposure, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to get drafted, you got to play. Like, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you can't hit a home run once every 10 at bats that, you know, <laughs> is a pinch hit. Like, you know, right. yeah. you got to play every day. I agree. I think going back to what you said about being sped up the mental it's not only like the physical difference between yeah uh high school ball and like division one baseball but it's also the mental side of thing like you said like dude it's just crazy like you you have to be locked in and you have to prepare yourself mentally which kids i don't feel like really get the opportunity to do that until you're like in that space yeah you know yeah that's it's it's a big jump so you had success at Cyprus, obviously. Go to a big school, Long Beach State. Everyone out here knows Long Beach. It's a big-time program. Even us on the East Coast, I know I know Long Beach. You know, 
more more so than you know I went to a mid major you mm-hmm. know so it's Asheville was great but people out here don't know what I'm talking about right when I say I go to U- I went to UNC Asheville but everyone knows about Long Beach so you had the success you transferred to Long Beach I know you you played for two different coaches right the guy that recruited you I did not play for the ones that recruited me. They got fired before I... They recruited me to Long Beach. They got fired, and I decided to stay and stick it out uh, just because I'm, you know, a local kid, and I didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition. Right. Um, You know, I wanted to pay the least amount I could as possible for college, so... Was Long Beach, because you're so close, was that kind of a dream school for you? Was that, like, a a goal? It's funny, yeah, because actually, I live closer to Cal State Fullerton and I would go to Cal State Fullerton games all the time in high school okay. and that was like my dream school and they never reached out or contacted me so but you know Long Beach did so I was like alright well I guess we're going there Right. and they're rivals they're like they're one of the biggest college baseball rivals well that's kind of cool did you ever get to play at Fullerton? yeah yeah we did play the three games at our field and then three games at their field nice that, it was sick that venue is pretty sweet Long Beach is sick yeah um, but Fullerton is sick too yeah uh, that's that's cool um so, what you said that uh, since you're a local kid, you wanted to stay in state, so that kind of led into your decision. Was it, did you kind of get sped up when a certain coaching staff obviously recruited you, and then boom, you show up on campus and it's, you're playing for someone that didn't recruit you, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how that process kind of went for you, especially more mentally than physically, because obviously you have the, you, possess the traits to to start at Long Beach right off the bat really and you had that experience but you know was it kind of kind of rattling to play for a different coach yeah well the I had a buddy who also went to Cypress and he went to Long Beach and he was a year ahead of me okay and, uh, his name is Dominic and uh thankfully him for him he gave me some insider info with everything that was going down I was probably going to decommit there anyway if they ended up staying there mm-hmm. um but, you know, I just took it from a sign from God. They're out of there. And so, you know, I'm going to stick stick it out. And I do want to stay local. Um, granted, so, I would have changed my mind now, saying, like, I, I probably would have expanded my horizon a little bit. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. And, yeah. So you were, you were saying that you thought about decommitting? Yes, I thought about decommitting when the coaches, before the coaches got, the original coaching staff that recruited me, I thought about decommitting because of, you know, stuff that was going on that I would hear about. Um, and when they got fired, I just decided to stay, you know, to get a new coaching staff. And there was a bunch of factors that went into me going there to Long Beach. Again, being so close to home was another big part. Mm. I want my family to see me play. So, um, but yeah, if I could have changed it, I probably would have just, you know, yeah. let let my options come. Right. Yeah. And that being said, did you have any other you know, good opportunities at the time to play at any specific schools, whether it's out here or really across the country. Did you have any other options that kind of matched Long Beach or was it just Long Beach? Well, the thing is I made a mistake. Of, again, I didn't have someone to tell me, you know, how college ball works and how recruiting works. Mm-hmm. So my before my sophomore year at Cyprus, uh, I got I committed to Long Beach in the winter and mm-hmm. uh, there was – one other school had talked to me, and it was Nevada, very briefly, and then it was Long Beach, and they offered, but again, this was in winter, like, before yeah. even season started, mm-hmm. and I ended up having a great year, the sophomore year, um, 
and there was a lot of other kids that went to big time schools that you know in that conference did not have as good of stats as I did. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I think I could have had you know I committed too early, and I would have been yeah. patient. The thing is, like I didn't know that you know for me, I was always sped up in the fact that you know I got to be somewhere, I got to be playing. When at the end of the day, the player has the leverage. If if you yeah. know if you have the stats and you believe in yourself and you bet on yourself, you have the leverage. Whereas like I didn't have someone that was above me or older than me tell me, hey, like wait it out, yeah, be patient, you know, that's play, a, play your game. That's like, the thing, yeah. dude. There's no direction yeah. when you're in that moment. You're kind of you're like, oh man, Long Beach offered me right. Like, dude, I gotta take this right because this is this is a big time opportunity for me. You know, I wish I would have had the same thing. I. uh Chad and I are different. So Chad did the same thing that you did. Mm-hmm. Delta Delta State, where he went, contacted them him early in the fall. Yeah. So he had committed. I decided after my first year, I was going to go to App State, mm-hmm. uh, Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. And uh, the process just went too quick. I was rattled. Yeah. I, they said I had to start summer school and move up there in two weeks. Yeah. You know, my wife was still in school in Florida. My family was in Florida and Georgia. So... For me, I wasn't ready, and I I, I kind of did that. I bet on myself because I was like, well, if App State is recruiting me as a freshman, you know, I think that I can go do even better and you know have more opportunities. And the one thing I would caution people about is, like you said, trust in yourself and bet on yourself because. For me, I think I didn't have as good of a sophomore season because I was so worried about where that next opportunity was going to come from. And I didn't get opportunities until late. I didn't have as good of a season as I should have. I, I did better. But I think that year I was probably I was sped up because I was so focused on what was next. And, dude, it, it definitely affected my play. So that's one thing that if you're going to bet on yourself, you need to trust it and trust not be focused on the future, be in the present, enjoy your time. Because... I did decide to go back for my second year at JUCO and enjoy my friends, but I think I would have, if I had to do it all over again, I would have just trusted that I was doing the right thing and yeah. just to play because I was so focused on stats yeah. and how I looked and and stuff like that that would attract those D1 schools. And uh, did not to go off on a tangent or anything, but my future was not looking very good. I didn't have as good a year as I wanted to. I was being recruited by some D2 schools. But even in JUCO, I was like, dude, last year I was recruited by App State. So, you know, I'm not going to a D2 school, you know. Because yeah. that's where I started anyways. And I saw the, dude, it's really like an injustice. Like those D2 guys that I played with, some of those guys were amazing. And yeah. could have easily played pro ball. Easily. Definitely, yeah. But didn't get the looks because you know, it was D2 ball. So I told myself, I was like, well, if I want a future in this, you know, D2, I, I don't know about. So it wound up working out. I came out here to play summer ball. Asheville, uh, Chris Bresnahan, uh, our kind of recruiting coordinator, he reached out to me via Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I wound up grabbing that late. So it all worked out. And, yeah. I, you know, I was very fortunate that I went there and I played as a upperclassman and stuff. But, dude, it's it's it gets dicey that whole process is dicey yeah and and like you know i don't know if it's a scouting tactic but i heard from a lot of my buddies and seen it happen to, to guys you know coaches when they're recruiting a guy you know they'll be like oh you get we'll give you like a couple days to decide or like a day you know it's like yeah when you're talking to a kid it's like 
you know, he, of course he wants to play baseball. That's his dream. He wants to play as long as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone who doesn't have guidance is going to, like, they could fall for that pressure very easy. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, I mean, like, I didn't know how late you could commit to a school after your sophomore campaign. We had guys committing in the summer, like, before the draft to a yeah. school that they had to be in, you know, classes and living in, like, a month or two. And, yeah. like, I, that was, like, I had no idea. I have no idea how any of that mm-hmm. stuff works. Um you know, I just wanted to find a place, settle down, and be like, all right, just worry about season rather than, like, play yeah. and worrying about work. Okay, where am I going to play next? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to bet on yourself. And, yeah, and trust that. Yeah, just trust it. Go out there and play. Let the game take care of itself because it will. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, the player has the leverage all the time. Like, and I wish someone had told me that because yeah. it is very true. And if any coaches, like, you know, they try to pressure you into committing somewhere, that don't let that happen. Like that's dude, and that that's exactly what happened to me. Our our guys, my first year, my coaches wanted me to go to App State. I think just to just for them to be able to say like, hey, we sent a kid to App State, we sent a kid here, we sent a kid there. So I didn't have that guidance either, dude. Like my coaches were pressure pressuring me to go, and when I didn't go, especially one of uh, the guys that recruited me, he uh, I felt like he almost held a grudge. Yeah. And, like, almost was kind of telling me, like, look, like, when I wasn't doing so good, like, dude, like, look, you should, you should have gone, you know, you should have gone to app, you know, so. Yeah. It's just tough. It's, it's really tough. Yeah. So, but I mean, for anyone thinking that Juco ball is like, oh, they're worried about it or whether or not they should do it, I would, if I had to repeat my Juco career, I'm sure the same answer is for you, I would do it again. 100%. I mean, I was playing every day. I was playing great competition. I mean, it depends on what conference you're in, but in SoCal, there's a lot of good conference. And the OEC is a great conference. You know, you got OCC, is, yeah. Santa Ana, Cypress, Golden West, um, and they get a lot of D1 bounce backs. They get a lot of guys drafted. Um, and, I mean, you really find some diamond in the rust in JUCO. Like, mm-hmm. And um, it's a great way to work on things. Like if you, you know, whether it's pitching or throwing or, or hitting, you can really work on your craft and, you know, Another thing I would suggest that I did not do, play summer ball. Every year, play yeah. summer ball. Play as many games as you, many games as you can. Yeah. Um, and I understand some people will have to work and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. which I did too. But, um, you know, find a way. The money will come later. Like, play as long as you can. Yeah. Play as many games as you can because that's really how you're going to get better. Yeah. You know, not you can practice and hit in the cages and stuff and do all that, but nothing will compare it to, like, game reps and the mental mm-hmm. reps of, like, okay, what approach am I doing off this guy? Or, yeah. Especially when you're in JUCO, too, that summer ball matters because that's another opportunity that people can see you. It's like you said, more games under your belt, more stats for coaches to go off, maybe video, stuff like that. So that stuff matters. I, I made the same mistake. I, yeah. I played uh, in the Valley League going into my freshman year at JUCO. You had a good year. Uh, it was a tough process because I was in the boonies of – Virginia yeah and I was so far away from home you know I hated hated being there the whole I stuck out the whole summer but then that next year you know being away from family and being so far I decided not to play summer ball and I felt like that definitely backfired too because I felt the repercussions of that when I got back to JUCO my second year so yeah and I like I was just like you I was I decided to work make money you know, I hit as much as I could on my own, throw, stuff like that, but you miss those game reps and keeping you in game shape. And I yeah. felt like I 
definitely struggled my second year too because of that you know yeah so. I mean again it's it's summer ball is good um I don't think it guarantees success because I didn't play summer ball in juco I played a little games here and there again I was working but when I came back sophomore year I had the, a way better year than my freshman year and you know I attribute that to just like mentally being tough like okay like if I have a bad day at the dish I would just as weird as it sounds, like I w- I'm gonna manifest a hit. Like I don't care. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I go over four one day. I'm like, all right. In my mind, the next day, I'm, I'm going four four. Like, yeah. I'm, I just manifest it, right? So, I mean, you, the games are important, um, but you also got to be like mentally strong. Like, regardless, if okay, you know, I got the reps in or not, it doesn't matter. Today, I'm gonna get some hits, or I'm gonna strike this guy out. Just even though I didn't get my routine or didn't get that experience, I'm just gonna dog it out and pretty yeah. compete today. Dude, the mental side of stuff is so important. Yeah. No one, no one told me that for yeah. sure. Uh, I figured it out kind of as I went, like you did. But you could have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have a strong mental game, and not, I tell I tell our guys all the time the highs. You can't be high and low depending on how you play, right? Because you can let that affect not only your game but the off the field stuff too. Because yeah. you know you're super happy when you play a good game. You're you're bummed. And, and down and out when you don't play a good game. So you got to be level. You got to be on an even keel the whole time. And I wish someone would have told me that too because yeah. I definitely didn't do that until, shoot, at least my junior year, yeah. maybe even my senior year, you know. So yeah. I think that's that's important too. So backtracking to your time at Long Beach, obviously I know you played a lot your junior year, right? And then – not so much your senior year. Yeah. How did how was that experience handling that? Because dude, I've seen you I've seen you play. Mm-hmm. I've seen you hit. I I know you're super athletic, you know, you have you had and still probably have all the tools to to start every game. And like if you were at Asheville, you would have started every game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So how was that for you kind of at the end of your career I know that's kind of probably like a soft spot for you actually you know what it's interesting not at all like I I really reflect back on it and you know I'll tell you what my last year as a senior not playing a lot um I had a quad injury in the summer which definitely affected like it was pretty bad you know close to whatever on the grade scale I almost needed surgery but I was in summer ball so I just stayed there and just duked it out but the last year not playing a lot and riding pine really taught me that the last lesson that the game taught me as far as when I was playing was to be a good teammate. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I pride myself on being a good teammate, not to say I wasn't before, but that really taught me to be a good teammate because I yeah. was not playing. Um, you know, I couldn't do much other than, you know, root for my guys. I'd get in a bat here and there. Um, but I'm at the end of my career and, you know, it's like, all right, well, I can, I can either look at the glass half full or half empty mm-hmm. and be Debbie Downer because I'm not playing or whatnot or just suck it up and be like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy being with the boys more than anything Mm -hmm. and just still doing what I love for one more time. And so that's the kind of how my last year experience went of just, you know, I'm just going to enjoy every second of it and be a good teammate and learn what I still can from the game. Yeah. Um, Now the summer ball prior to my senior year, so my last summer ball, which was really my only summer ball that was like legit Mm because in Long Beach, uh, my first year was COVID year, so and didn't play summer ball. I worked, and then the next year, uh, that was the last summer. So that would have been. Uh, anyway, I played in Healdsburg, and I played for a great coach, Joey Gomes, brother of Johnny Gomes, um, and 
he really revamped how I viewed the game and sparked my love for the game again in a genuine way where I honestly felt like I was, I was a kid playing baseball because that was my first summer ball where I was playing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not worrying about school. You're only worrying about working out and baseball. Yeah. And um, he would dumb down the game for me mm-hmm. and make it really simple. And I was playing out of my mind. Like I, everything that I imagined that I could do, throwing guys out, stealing, homers, doubles, everything yeah. was what I did. And it was nothing mechanical. It was like all mental. And honestly, looking at the game in a realistic perspective, where it's like, at the end of the day, you know, he's got to throw the ball over the plate in the strike zone, and you're going to get your opportunity to get your move off. Regardless if it's two strikes, 2-0, it doesn't matter, you know. You're the one in the batter's box. And there was just constant sayings that he would, like, talk to us as players, where it's like, you know, it was real, um, but it's nothing that no one's heard before. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like some mystical... Yeah, uh, genie out of the bottle. Sauce. Yeah, like he's got yeah. some magic sauce that is like getting these players really good. It's just, it's just real. I think that one important coach that you have in your life too is so important because Jordan Aboidas, who yeah coached me in summer ball, who also was one of your coaches at Long Beach, he did that for me. But he did it through just letting us go out and play. Yeah, right. He'd he'd critique us and you know help us in a very positive manner Mm -hmm. and I saw that as a coach and and that's that's how I coach now but him for me just letting me go out and play the game like you said I I played out of my mind because I had someone who believed in me that let me go out and do my thing didn't put a box around our abilities as players and stuff and I think that you have to play for a coach like that I yeah. think that regardless of what level you're at, if you want to find the success, you need those people that believe in you that can come, hundred percent, come right beside you and guide you to unlock your abilities. And Jordan did that for me, so I'm yeah. forever grateful for him for alone. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Joy. Like when I got there, uh, I think I got there a little late, so I missed the first game. Started the second game or whatever, uh, didn't get a hit. And then the next game I wasn't playing, and I was like, man, here we go again. Because at Long Beach, my stats were not good. And I was like, man, we're going to freaking ride pine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm away from home. Anyway, I get an opportunity late in the game, and, you know, I go three for three. And from that moment on, and I had a backside homer, which I never do. Um, Big pole guy. Yeah, big pole guy. And, you know, he's always, hey, get out front and just get your move off. And I go three for three with a backside homer. And then from that point on, played the whole, you know, I started every day in center. And when I was hitting like that and hitting that good, in my mind, because of how bad I, you know, how my confidence was at all time low in Long Beach, I was in summer ball thinking like, man, I have everyone fooled here. Like they all think I'm like this raw dude, like nasty. Cause in my mind, you know, when you're playing for a certain amount of coaches for so long, you develop kind of a rep, like a rep mm-hmm. of like how you are, you know, it's, it's easy to compare stats, like with yeah. the kind of player you are. Um, but, I mean, dude, our team was – we had the guys on Healdsburg that were at these big SEC schools, and I'm here, like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but leading in every category. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know what's going on here. But, <laughs> right. yeah, like, I have everyone fooled. Like, you know, and I understand now. Another lesson that I learned from my last year was to, one, you have to have people in your corner that are rooting for you. I, that's a big, huge uh, difference maker when a coach believes in you. You know, and you can tell when a coach believes in you or not. 
And two, you got to bet on yourself and understand that, like, swing your own swing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of guys, like, you know, they want to change your swing, mechanical, mechanical. Yes, that's, like, important to a certain degree. But, you know, that's why the MLB is great because you see guys with, like, all these crazy different stances and, like, um, you know, stuff that is unorthodox or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, it's just hand-eye and grit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff that, like, rap soda for pitching. And pitching's beyond hitting right now, I think. Yeah, you know for sure. And, you know, hitting still, at the end of the day, you got guys throwing sinkers at 103. It's hand-eye. I don't care what you say. Like, you're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, bug the squish enough to hit a you know, 103 <laughs> sinker. Right. Like, it's just, that's why we got guys in the DR hitting sunflower seeds and bottle caps, bro. Like, it's totally mm-hmm. different. And summer ball, that kind of cleared up any questions I had. Because I've always been a mechanical guy. Get mentally domed up. It's easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that summer ball and my sophomore year at JUCO were both reflections, for me at least, that that stuff is not as important as you think it is. Mm-hmm. I worry. I did more of that than you probably did. The mechanical stuff, the overthinking, like of the swing but like you said when you just go out and do it and yeah. just let yourself be who you are I feel like that unlocks another level of your game too because it just it frees you up to do that stuff and that's that was my problem when I got to Asheville my coaches were very mechanical you know I got into that mindset of okay this is how I need to swing this is what I'm trying to do but you know I'm a small guy dude like I'm never gonna go out and hit 20 jacks in a year you know I started to unlock that some of my senior year, but it's because I took what they gave me with the grain of salt, the advice that they gave me, what yeah. they were trying to do. But at the end of the day, I had more success when I just went out and did it, right? And it still matters, still making adjustments and stuff like that sure. within the game, especially with your swing, still matter. But if you're just free and loose, and like you said, you're on time, getting the barrel out, just letting it eat, right? Getting yeah. your best swings off you're going to find more success. And I think that's something people overlook, especially now, like with social media and stuff, like everyone's got an opinion on how to, how to swing, right? Drills to do, like it's all over. And these kids growing up are growing up with that. So I feel like a lot of them are probably thinking like mechanical all the time. time. And that's not the case, at least in our opinion, I think. No, and I agree. Again, I also don't think you can cookie cut hitting. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, yeah, um, you know, one swing is all swings. If if you thinking that I need to hit the top of the ball works every time, then do it. Or if I take my hands to the ball or nod to the ball or I got to swing up and you're hitting good, bro, do it. I don't yeah. care. Um, but, you know, if you want to look at it in a realistic way, you're hitting a round object and you, if you're hitting it good, you're hitting the front of the baseball at the end of the day, right? Are you swinging at balls and strikes? Okay. Are you fouling balls and, you know, holes in the net? Well, you're probably hitting the bottom inside part of the baseball. Like, the ball tells you exactly what you're doing. And whatever you need to do to hit that thing hard and hit the front of the baseball and catch it out front, then do it. I don't care. You know, you could have a big leg kick, no leg kick, stride, toe tap. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that, like, are so mechanical. And um, it's it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole of mechanics because anyone can do it. Um, But you just got to look yourself in the mirror. Just you gotta really, do what works for you. Yeah, and just hold yourself accountable. You you are always gonna be your best coach. I don't care what anyone says. Like yeah, you can have the best coach in the world, 
they could tell you it looks like you're doing this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, only you know what feels good and feels right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Well, because that's the thing, too. Like, something that worked for me might not work for you, you know. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there that try to coach everyone into the same box almost like the same philosophy that they have and stuff it's easy to do that like I've done that in coaching before you know with those kids and uh, so it's just something you gotta I feel like you gotta think about as a player is some of the stuff that we said right so um, okay so tell me you're done right fast forward you're done at Long Beach you know what's your mindset because I feel like this this is something that I want to talk about and I feel like something that doesn't you don't think about a lot right because you're always thinking about you know where you're going to play next you know your future in baseball and stuff and like for me I kind of came to the mindset of like hey I'm done and I, I, know, I know you did the same thing but yeah no one prepares you for after like after baseball yeah. you know one day you're just boom you play your last game you clean out your locker you're done with school and then boom you're in the real world you know yeah and so where I'm trying to get with this is you know how was that transition for you? Because I know for me, it was it was tough, right? Letting yeah. the game go, trying to focus on my life and my marriage and stuff like that. So it was brutal for me. How was it for you? Yeah, it was, I would say it was tough, but it wasn't that tough. Because it was my senior year and, you know, my quad was jacked. And I had, a, I had another partially torn quad from Juco Ball. So both quads were bad. I'm like, all right, well... Yeah, I kind of see where this is yeah, going. Right. And like, yeah. Um, and I just, you know, it's grindy. Like, D1 baseball, any any baseball is kind of grindy. I passed high school. Like, you just got your schedule. You know, it's not, it's no longer just show up to the field and, like, stretch for an hour and then get on mm-hmm. the, you roll out of bed. It's Now it's, like, weight room, conditioning, study hall, um, classes, staying up late, traveling. I hated traveling. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, but, you know, I still missed the game I didn't necessarily miss the game itself like uh, hitting homers and stuff and like that was fun but I missed the boys more than anything and like being in the team atmosphere I miss being in the locker room more than anything I miss being with guys that I would see every day for three years more than anything um going out to lunch or breakfast after weight room Mm -hmm. because dude no one wanted to show up at weight room at six in the morning you know like that yeah it's not ideal but uh when you're together it makes a lot more fun Mm -hmm. and I miss the you know bus rides, all that stuff, but the game, no, not so much. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool being on the other side now of coaching, which I definitely like. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an easier transition for me. Still tough and still like gradual. And I think recently with opening weekend this last week or so, I was like, yeah, dude, I definitely miss baseball. But yeah, just that team camaraderie. Yeah. Um, but. And watching those teams that have so much fun together, too. That, Like you said, I, I very much agree with the point that you made about, like, missing more of that family and that time with friends and making making new friends every year, you know, and yeah. just being with your boys. Because that's, that's what I miss, too. Because um, even opening weekend, like, I was telling you, like, man, I was, like, nervous yeah. in those games, like, almost like I was playing. But I don't really miss playing the game. Yeah, as much you know. Every once in a while, I get yeah, that yeah. that urge to like to compete. You know, yeah, to compete and to and to play the game I love. But I think 
for me, I was the same way. Like, my body just hurt every day because yeah. it's, it's a grind. College baseball is all year round, pretty much, especially yeah. if you play summer ball. So, I was feeling those that wear and tear effect, too. So, yeah. I was kind of, I, I told my wife, you know, um, at the time, I just remember my senior year, I was like, dude, I, even if I wanted to play professional baseball, which I did, right? That was always the of course, aspiration, of course, yeah. of course, you know. But even if I did, you know, I didn't, I knew that I couldn't take much more of it physically. Yeah. And so that, I think that was the toughest part of me is like, you always have those dreams and aspirations. And as a kid, like, I don't know if you were the same, but I always thought like, I'd be one of the ones that made it right. Just because like, I outworked everyone else. Like, I did the right thing. I, you know, I was just, that was the dream. Right. So I think for me mentally it was just the fact that realizing like hey that's that's not my dream anymore those aren't my goals like I didn't make it as far as I wanted to make it and stuff like that so I think that was the toughest thing for me yeah which I'm sure most everyone goes through that because everyone has those goals and aspirations you know so yeah you know it's funny because the last I think our last series at Long Beach I was with Javier my roommate and we knew it was going to be our, our last weekend or last game, and we watched the Sandlot because it was on Netflix, and we watched. We're like, dude, it's like tomorrow's it. Like, it's our. I think it was our last practice, and we we're like, dude, this is it. Like after this, we're done. And because uh, we both knew we didn't want to play indie ball or nothing like that. Yeah. And we watched the Sandlot, and dude, it made me like teary eyed and emotional because you know you think back to when you're a kid, you know I want to play in the major leagues, I want to do all this stuff, and then coming to the end of your career, uh, is tough, but. You know, it's been a great journey and I've learned a lot of valuable lessons and I still look at life and everything I look at, I look in terms of baseball, you know, and what the game has taught me, whether mm-hmm. it's surrounding myself with good people, how to persevere, uh, work with teammates that you do and don't like, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with coaches because you're always going to have a boss, you're always going to have whatever, and you know, unless you own your own business. But at the end of the day, you're always kind of reporting back to someone or you have to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many lessons that the game has taught me. Um, that I look back on and, you know, I'm very thankful for. Yeah, I totally agree because that's something people don't think about too is the fact that life, uh, baseball teaches you so many great life lessons. You know, it, it provides structure. It provides, like, everything that you said, it, it does for people. It, it did for me. It did for Chad. It does for you, you know. So I think looking back and reflecting on your time, just being grateful for everything that the game has taught you because – I wouldn't be who I am today without the game, you know, even though, I, you know, obviously we didn't go as far as we wanted to go. You yeah. Know, it, it provides you so much that you wouldn't have got had you not. Yeah, definitely. Went, went as far as you as you did. So, yeah, yeah, definitely just got to be thankful for the game and have a positive mindset. Yeah. I think the thing that helped me, too, is just knowing that, hey, this isn't, you know, baseball is not the plan that God had for me, you know, moving yeah. forward, you know, and just trusting in that. And just opening yourself up to what comes next and just, you know, just not being so, like, down and kind of out about, like, baseball's over. What am I going to do next? You know, just being open to, hey, God's going to open other doors for you and see how he uses you, you know, through all that stuff. So Yeah, I mean, I thank God that uh, he gave me baseball because I don't know if I would have gone to college, honestly. Because... When I was in high school, I wasn't even thinking about really necessarily, oh, where can I, like, I wasn't yeah. thinking about a college education. I was literally thinking about 
where can I play baseball? Yeah. And I was like, the next step to playing baseball was either playing at college or getting drafted. And getting drafted was not, I, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, college ball it is. But I, I would never have thought, oh, I, I'm, I need to go get a degree mm-hmm. to have a life. It was just baseball, baseball, baseball. Yeah. And, you know, on being on the other side of that now, um, I would have picked a different major possibly. But, you know, when you're playing baseball, all you care about is baseball. At least yeah. for for most people, you know. Yeah. Um, I only speak on my personal behalf because you know I was going I to school this, and passing my classes, yeah. but I was only passing classes to play baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I wasn't thinking about well, if baseball works out, you know, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have changed that possibly, maybe to get a degree that is more fitting, but I'm still figuring things out now, so it's kind of worked out in my favor. Um. But yeah, really take advantage of, for anyone that's up and coming, you know, from high school to college ball, take advantage and understand just to have a plan B or C, and it's okay to have those things in the, in the back burner Yeah. Um, while still focusing on baseball, and really just take advantage of everything that the game gives you, whether it's a degree or some money, you know, yeah. a stipend, whatever. Yeah. Um, take every penny and just use it, because it's always good to have something um, for plan B as protection, you know, because... You never know how when you might get hurt and your your career's over. You know, yeah. whatever injuries happen, uh, things out of baseball, outside of baseball happen. Whether it's family or friends or who knows. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And just it, it, even if you don't want to play professional baseball, but you still love the game, you can still play. Like there's colleges all across the country at totally different levels. Like everywhere you look, there's another college that you could play baseball at, and the opportunity that baseball gives you to provide an education, um, especially taking off money financially. Like, that's that's another thing, circling back to the JUCO thing that we were talking about. JUCO is so inexpensive. For two years, you know, you save so much money yeah. compared to a regular four-year education. I mean, our second year, Chad and I got paid yeah. to go to school, you yeah. know? Like, we made, made money off yeah. of going to school at JUCO, you know? And even when you get to a four-year, right, they give you scholarship, you know? So even if you're not thinking that maybe professional baseball is the route, you yeah. can still use the game, you know, to provide that education to. So, like, that's okay, you yeah. know? I, I feel like absolutely not everyone thinks that way, but at least I do. Like, it provides you that education. It helps you. It helps your family. Yeah, less student loans. Like, yeah. It's still a great, still a great thing if you still love the game yeah. and will put in the work that because ba- like you said, you said perfectly. College baseball is a grind and a half. Yeah. You know, so you you don't have time, uh, so much for other things, but it'll still help you in the long term in terms of your education and stuff like that too. So yeah, it'll definitely set you up for life after baseball or whatever. You know, you see mm-hmm. guys that get drafted their junior year and they have one year left and most guys in their contract, they're like, hey, if minors doesn't work out, pro ball, whatever, they finish that education yeah. out and it's just a good benefit to have. So Yeah, yeah, you have to have it, especially today, you know. And I think most people too, like going off of the majors things, like I was kind of that same way. I didn't, I was thinking more baseball. I wasn't thinking really in terms of like longevity, like career-wise. You know, so I did basically health administration and I would tell people now it's okay that you get a degree in something that you think you might be interested in too because 
almost everyone I know, it seems like, is doing something other than their major that they yeah. got in college, right? Definitely. Like, I have people in the business world that got the same degree that I did or doing construction management or doing ministry and baseball. Yeah. Like, it's so many different crazy things that you don't have to be so worried about unless you want to be, like, a lawyer. Yeah, like said, yeah. Or, like, a doctor. You know, you have to follow that certain course. But other than that, like, whether it be health or business or anything like that, you know, you can still do a lot of different things because you know even though you have a degree doesn't guarantee you a job you know, yeah no yeah in that specific field you know you everyone's looking for um that one specific job but you could do something totally different and learn that and then that could be your career you know so yeah just a lot of, a lot of things that the game provides you in college too so yeah. dude i appreciate you sharing your story Alright dude, so now we're going to pick some games. Um, Chad and I picked games last week. We were 4-3 and three each. It didn't go quite as we expected, especially with some of those big schools. Uh, we're not going to give a recap of those games because Chad's not here. And yeah. We have you as a guest on the show. But instead, we're going to pick matchups for this weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Obviously, different teams play at different times. Right here in Southern California, I doubt any team in this area is going to get a game in with the weather. But starting off with that, we're going to go number 11, ECU, versus number 12, North Carolina. That, those games have been postponed, so they're going, to, they're going to play them Sunday, hopefully, and then at a later date. So that it's, a, it's almost like a makeup matchup, but we're still going to preview that game and uh, give our picks. So uh, I'm going to start. I'm going yeah. to give Chad's picks, and then... Jesse, you're gonna pick based on the sickest uniform. Okay, see right. if, see if a little you know sounds good. A little psychology works here. So, number eleven, ECU versus twelve, UNC. I'm gonna go North Carolina. I really like ECU too. They're a good program. They've been in regionals. They've been into the College World Series in the last few years. So they're legit too. But I think UNC is gonna overpower them. Uh, their pitching staff's really good. They they recruit dudes. Um, so this is kind of a scratch-the-surface pick, but I'm going to go UNC. I know Chad's going UNC as well. What's your pick based on the sickest uniform? Um, I'm going to go East Carolina. I don't really know. The North Carolina has powder blues, do they? They do. And yeah. then, dude, I just like the purple-yellow combo scheme. I've always liked that color scheme. Yeah. So I'm going to go East Carolina. And I like their logo, bro. Anything with a pirate the on pirate, it, I yeah. think it's hard. That's so. sick. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go East Carolina. Okay. All right. Second game this weekend to watch is, this will be a good one. This is number four, Ole Miss versus number 13, Maryland. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know a lot about Maryland's program. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss, you know, is yeah. Ole Miss. You yeah. Know? Um, so just for that reason, and, you know, they, they did return a lot. They proved to to live up to their record. You know, a lot of teams win the College World Series and then drop off because they lose a lot of guys. You know, we saw it with Mississippi State last year yeah. or the year before that. And uh, But I, I think Ole Miss is legit. I think they deserve the top 10 ranking that they got at four. And so for that reason, I'm going Ole Miss. I'm taking the higher ranking. Yeah, and I'm going Ole Miss too. Those, they just got yeah. a ton of sick unis. I mean, the... Powder blues with the red, those are mm-hmm. those are hard, dude. Yeah, those even are the best. even their dark blue, the pinstripes are yeah. sick. Yeah, they uh, they know how to do do gear. So Chad's pick is also number four, Old Miss. So we all agree on that one. We're taking Old Miss over thirteen, Maryland. I do think 
Um, just a disclaimer in these, we're taking uh, the series. We're taking for who wins gotcha. the series, okay. not just individual games. So, like, do I think Maryland could beat Ole Miss a game? Yeah, yeah I, sure. I think they could. Uh, but we're taking who wins the series for these. So I'm going – we're all going Ole Miss on this one. The third game, Florida State, unranked Florida State versus number eight TCU. So I'm going to start with Chad's pick this time. Chad is a Florida boy. I grew up not too far from Tallahassee. He's taking Florida State. It's more of an emotional pick for him. You know, got to root for the Knowles. Yeah. Um, I – I'm going to take Florida State, too. I think this is kind of an emotional pick for me, too. I spent some time in Florida, so we're taking our Florida State Seminoles over number eight TCU. I do think that's probably going to burn us. I think TCU is probably going to take two or three from them. I think Florida State might pull out a game, but we're going a little bit more of the emotional pick, and we're both going Florida State. What are you doing? I think uh, both of them have great unis. I mean, I was peeking at them right now. Uh, the Florida State with, you know, the, the Indian is pretty sick. And I do like the burgundy. But, dude, I'm a sucker for purple. Like, purple unis. Like, <laughs> two, there's some, two yeah, purple picks something already. about them, dude. Like, they just, they're just so sick. Like, yeah. I love the Rockies colors, too. I'm not a Rockies fan, but I think their unis are dope. Especially yeah. with the pennies. Like, purple pins. Like, for what? Sure. So, I'd I'm going to go TCU. I'd on rock some Rocky stuff. Yeah. So, I'm going TCU. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Our next game is Clemson versus UCF. So another Florida school playing in a University of Central Florida. Being around that facility in Orlando, really cool. They have a lot of really good things going. Um, they put up ridiculous numbers uh, this past weekend, opening weekend. Obviously, they're playing a lesser opponent, but still really cool to watch their offense kind of just explode. I do. I am going to pick Clemson. This is more of just a common sense pick for me I think Clemson's gonna you know I think they're gonna win the series obviously they both have some sick unis um two quality programs UCF you know especially a lot of people on the west coast probably don't really know anything about them yeah uh maybe recently because their football program has been really good but UCF is legit yeah they're gonna win their conference they're gonna be in a regional so it's going to be good baseball. I do think Clemson's going to pull it out, though. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I have known a little bit about UCF. So, I, you know, they're definitely they're on the radar out. for, like, the West Coast. Probably not as much as those bigger schools. But, yeah, they're, yeah. they're always, like, up there for top competing teams, you know? Yeah. Um, the unis, though, we're going to go Clemson. Orange and purple. Not because of purple is, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Clemson's always been known to have just disgusting unis. Yeah. And, yeah, that's the... Tough to beat Clemson as far as jerseys, but yeah. we'll see. So. And they put out dudes like yeah, Spencer they, Strider, Seth you know, Beer. Yeah, they they're they're legit. Yeah, but they're not in the top twenty five right now. Clemson is, is not. Which yeah, neither of them are. Oh, okay, UCF okay. isn't either. But uh, I think that Clemson is just a historic program. You're picking them because they got the sweet unis. Sweet unis, historic program. Um, but yeah, like you said, UCF uh, UCF had a good weekend last weekend. And uh, shout out to that one dude you sent me dancing at the John Lee's Plum Lee. Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty cool. The guys uh, got moves. The yeah, guys got moves. He's invited to the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Chad is going UCF. He's gonna stick with his Florida picks. He's going UCF uh, in the Central Florida Knights. Um. Our next game is this one's gonna be a really good one. Probably one of the best matchups of the weekend, especially since UNC and ECU has been postponed. 
number 10 Vandy versus number 17 UCLA. That's going to be really good. Vandy's very inconsistent right now. They will blow a team out, get blown out, blow a team out. So they're, uh, I'm not really sold on them. Their pitching staff is quality. Yeah. They're a quality program. I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about Vanderbilt. You know, I know Chad's got a very soft spot for Vandy. Uh, Chad thinks Vandy's going to win. He's gonna, he thinks they're going to take the series. They're obviously a higher rank. I'm going to go UCLA. And the reason I say that, even though they're, you know, seven spots below, UCLA is good. Yeah. And they're, they're consist- they seem like they're consistently good over the past, like, decade, most years. Um, I think just with the inconsistencies that Vandy has right now in their lineup especially, um, they're they're getting better for sure. You can see it every game. They're continuously growing. But I still think they haven't quite put it all together enough for me to take them in a you know such a close matchup. So I'm going so Chastik and Vandy, I'm going UCLA. What's your uniform pick? Uniform pick is UCLA. Can't beat that blue. Over that, Vandy? Yeah, that blue and that blue and gold is tough. And like you said, they have dudes. Um, both both of them have dudes, but uh, as far as unis go, I mean, Vandy's got sick unis. Don't don't say that. You know, I I agree. They got, <laughs> they, got, they got good unis, but we're going to go UCLA. Okay. All right. In our last pick of the day, we're going USC, University of Southern California versus Auburn. Both is an, another unranked matchup, but I think this is really intriguing because Auburn is obviously SEC school, you know, USC is king out here. So I think this is going to be a really cool East Coast, West Coast matchup, something you don't see much. So I'm really intrigued by this matchup. I think that I'm going to go Auburn. Um, I just know a lot more about their program. I know obviously USC is pretty good. Uh, I saw you guys put a whipping to them last year at Long Beach in a in a win uh, over them at home. I'm going Auburn. Uh, Chad's also going to Auburn. What's your uni pick? Auburn. The orange is the orange is good. Okay, so we all agree on that one. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how these uh, matchups kind of kind of pan out. But you know, thanks for being on the show, dude. We appreciate you coming out. A lot of great advice. It was really great hearing your story. I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy that. So you know. Appreciate you coming out, dude. You got anything else to add? Dude, I got nothing, man. Thanks for having me out here. Yeah, of course, dude. So that concludes our podcast. You know, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, These are our D1 matchups for the weekend. We'll see if Jesse's uniform picks beat uh, me and Chad's uh, knowledge of these programs. So it'll be kind of interesting and fun to see how that plays out this weekend. A lot of good baseball as usual. We appreciate you guys listening. Please give us a like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And me and Chad will be back next week. We might even bring Jesse back in just to, just to have him on the show. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week.